It's episode 49 of Auto Catch-Up, your weekly place to get all of your news on what's going on in the automotive world in Australia and around the world. I'm Ash Perkins, and not a lot of news this week, but there's some interesting things that have come out, particularly out of BMW um, and their i range, so BMW i, so we've got the iX and the i4, have been confirmed to make their way down under later this year, um, as well as a bit of an exploration by Cars Guide, um, looking at well, what other models should they be bringing down under based off some more competition um, that other makers such as um, Toyota, Jeep, and uh, Hyundai, as well as a lot of others. Um, also, some interesting things coming out of motorsport as well as we're just on the verge of our first formula one race of the 2021 season in bahrain so let's get into it but before we get into it actually let's backtrack a little bit if you have any questions um if you if you want to find out anything get some advice on which car to buy or i don't know something you want us to review let us you can always let us know you can send an email shows at dailyautofix.com and uh we'll either get straight back to you or we'll address it here on the show but let's now finally get into it um first bit of news is the exploration which we mentioned so ford they've got some pretty cool cars that have come out so obviously you've got that the mac e their electric vehicle you have um the bronco ford maverick even a new pickup truck that's coming out of um the us but the question is that we've only got the ranger and you know the things like the everest and and that sort of thing but really in terms of cars that are really of high desire here in Australia. It's the Ford Ranger that's really dominating those sales. And um, sure, the Fiesta ST, the Focus ST are exciting, but they're not really your main big volume sellers. But the thing is, is that we've already been told that we're not going to be getting the the Bronco, um, even though it's based on the next-gen Ranger pickup platform. Um, so why... Why don't they have them? Why aren't we getting them? And um, and here's some of the vehicles that you know Cars Guide and um, Byron has put together um, of what we should be getting. So one is the Ford Maverick. Um, it is a car-based pickup truck, just like uh, you know you've got a lot of things. So you've this, the Escape is built off for it, um, but it uses a monocoque-bodied high-riding dual cab. Um, so it's not a ladder frame chassis like the Ranger, but it's it's sort of like that mid mid step for for the Ranger. And um, based off what we're seeing on the things, it is kind of looks like an F series truck, so the F one fifty. And um, but you know you've got a, a wider track, you've got optional independent rear suspension, front or all-wheel drive, um, host, uh, sorry, turbo, and also potentially future electric powertrain options. Um, so this is something where if you're not wanting a full-on truck truck thing for your family but you do want a dual cab style vehicle f- with a little bit more comfort this potentially could be the thing and um, we know that Hyundai are building their Santa Cruz which is their pickup truck and we do know that is more of a sports a proper sports utility vehicle and not a you know a trader yield or anything like that and then you've got the Honda Ridgeline um, which would we're not expecting to see down under but it's a thing where this market is slowly emerging and um, it is something that Ford you know would be wise to, to jump on the other one is obviously the Ford Bronco and the Ford Bronco Sport they've sold gangbusters over in the states they've really you know the you're talking hundreds of thousands of um, pre-orders allocations being completely sold out new variants being being introduced based off just pure demand um you've got things such as uh so in the in the bronco sport you've got three and four cylinder turbo petrol engines all four wheel drives being driven eight speed auto uh suspension so in the rear you've got a multi-link setup giving a bit more of a road focused but ability to go you know off-road a bit if you want so you can still do you know your four by four rock climbing and 
and sort of that type of stuff, but it is more of, you know, your, your modern day midsize SUV. Um, so that you have that as well as, you know, and that really goes up against things like, um, you know, your, your Jeep Wranglers and, well, not Jeep Wranglers, but you, those sorts of angles of which it sits in. But then you obviously have the, the straightforward Ford Bronco, um, which is, you know, it looks great. It, it, it really is an exciting looking car. It is, um, it does fit and square up directly against things like the, the Jeep Wrangler and, um, you know, we're seeing greater and greater success in that particular area. If you look at the and focus even from car makers, so you've got the runaway success, which is the Suzuki Jimny, um, which is your budget entry level four by four. Then you have things like the you know the, the new Jeep Wrangler, which is pretty impressive. You've got the Land Rover Defender in its new generation, and also across across the pond in the US as well. You get the the new Hummer EV as well. Um, yeah, this is another thing. So it does have, it is engineered in and around Melbourne as well. So it's kind of like rubs it in into us Aussies that we're not going to be seeing it yet. It's it's definitely been um, floated as an idea, but when, uh, I don't think we'll see it for at least a bit of time again because of the number of pre-orders that have been received. Um, but you do have the choice of a... 2.3 liter four cylinder turbo, um, which is borrowed out of the Mustang, and then you have a 2.7 liter twin turbo V6 petrol, and um, with more powertrains expected in a later date. Um, but yeah, this is a, a pure off roader. You've got your retro sort of homage to the original Bronco, and um, yeah, it is over in the States at least, priced lower than the Land Rover Defender. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the new take on even like the FJ Cruiser, which you saw, which is about $50,000 in its day. Um, and then finally, the last one, which is probably, yeah, they, these look really cool, just hands down, um, but is the, the Ford Explorer. So it's nothing like what the Ford Explorer, which we saw, in you know like the late 90s early 2000s they were really you know they're pretty crap to to put it bluntly but um yeah this is it's just the the big family suv we're seeing all sorts of different competitions so you do have the kluger the pathfinder which has been updated the kia sorento which has been updated brilliantly the santa the santa fe and also the palisade from hyundai um which is again a large american influenced suvs and um yeah then you've got the the ford explorer which would slot in perfectly with those and again it's another monocle three row seven seater wagon which has the option of two wheel all-wheel drive capability and um yeah it's it's kind of cool and and when you're coming to to two-wheel drive it isn't front-wheel drive it's rear-wheel drive which if you've listened to earlier episodes that is a big not really criticism but a, a point of note where these large suvs are quite powerful and with the length of these vehicles having them front-wheel drive means that particularly like in the wet weather that we've, we've got at the moment um you can find a lot of wheel slip if you do accelerate quite quite hard or um or even even then it doesn't take much to lose grip in the front wheels where if you're having a, a rear wheel drive you you have a little bit extra weight sitting on the back particularly as you accelerate and um also if you are a bit of a, a driver's person you're going to probably enjoy that a little bit more being rear wheel drive um, but it is built on the cd6 platform um it has a 2.3 litre turbo four cylinder or a three litre twin turbo petrol or even a plug-in hybrid um, as well as a 3.3 litre V6 option with the hybrid as well. So yeah, it would be a, a pretty bold move, particularly with it being having a, a plug-in hybrid or even just a hybrid option available because there's there's not that many options in that space right now you've got bmw with a few of their plug-in hybrid options and then you've got um your mg which have just uh announced their their new ev and plug-in hybrid models and um you've got mitsubishi with the outlander plug-in hybrid as well so that's, it, it, this is a really interesting thing and i think it does raise some really good points where um even though ford has 
managed post closing down Australian manufacturing quite well, and and certainly better than uh, better than Holden here in Australia. But there's definitely some things where I think uh, they've got a great international product portfolio, particularly in the SUV range, and um, it would be brilliant to see some of those down here and make the you know make their way onto the roads here. But um, but yeah, well. It's uh, one of those things time will tell. We won't really know anymore until we get to that point and when they put out the official press release that we might be getting something. Um, but until then, we'll just have to listen and, and see what rumours are putting out onto the onto the ground and uh, play it from here. But let's move on. So Volkswagen, uh, not holding anything back, have come out and said that Australia is environmentally backwards and becoming an automotive third world. Uh, local emissions regulations, or the lag thereof, are making it increasingly, increasingly difficult uh, for manufacturers to import new electrified models. Uh, we've spoken about this a little bit ago in a previous episode where um, the, the research was put out that... Uh, the government doesn't feel like they need to do much in, some, in terms of incentives to, to drive it and, and to rely on, on the industry um, and, and uh, businesses to be purchasing uh, electric and hybrid models and then filtering those through the second-hand markets and, and increasing familiarity that way. And um, there's no real need to offer incentives as well as the discussion of different... Um, uh, excises and, and extra fees for driving and owning um, an electric or hybrid model in certain states, such as Victoria and South Australia, to make up for the um, the loss of uh, fuel excise revenue, and um, obviously that's gone gone down like a lead balloon to to the public. But these are the things that were lacking. This is where um, Volkswagen is criticizing. And, and spoke in, when they spoke to Car Advice this week, they said that, yeah, they, they want to import electric vehicles, but Australia's regulatory backwardness makes it almost impossible to make a case to the factories for prioritization. That's true. If you look at the, the numbers, there's certainly an increase of electric models being sold, but not at a drastic rate. And um, there's certainly no incentive for anybody to be considering those outside of purely wanting to own one but uh, but when it comes down to brass tacks and working out the affordability of an electric vehicle where they are still slightly more expensive because the technology isn't there yet as well as the lack of charging infrastructure available to support those um, there's certainly not much of a compelling argument right now to be purchasing an electric vehicle here in Australia um, for a long time uh, Volkswagen and Volkswagen brands such as uh, uh, Audi have had a number of electric models or plug-in hybrid models around the world and even currently the ID3 which is an electric hatchback the ID4 which is an SUV um, are both available around the world except for Australia as well as um, Volkswagen's e-Golf and e-Up were um, previously available but obviously never offered here in Australia um, there's more electric vehicles coming out of Volkswagen, so the ID4 GTX, the ID5 and ID6, and they're all expected to come onto the market this year, but obviously there is no local rollout yet. This is this is a huge problem for us, and um, obviously we, we, we just don't have anybody m- moving the goalposts and, and, and either making it more attractive or making it easier to own an electric vehicle right now. Um, even uh, brands like MG who are consistently pushing down the price of owning an EV still sits quite expensive over the equivalent um, internal combustion model. And so this is going to be an interesting challenge and hopefully even, you know, I've spoken about it a lot in terms of charging infrastructure, living on the south side of Brisbane um, and travelling through different parts of Brisbane, even the Gold Coast, it's hard to know either that there's going to be a charger there where your destination is or near your destination, or even if there is a charger and you've planned it out prior, that it's either A, going to be available, or B, it's going to be working. Um, There's been multiple instances where I've arrived and either the um, the charger was working and it it had the wrong port available so it 
through whether it's uh, the number of the, the crowdsourced apps or even the official apps which different charging networks have, they say they had a certain connector because there's multiple connectors with electric cars depending on how old the vehicle is and a whole heap of different factors. But um, but yeah, either it, it didn't have it there at all or even you know you go to a, at a busy time and there's four cars waiting and um, because... You know, they might go off for, for a couple of hours because they're going and doing shopping and then they'll come back and uh, and move on. And so it's just not convenient yet. It's not um, a great experience. Certainly the cars are getting better. Um, we've spoken about the positive experiences with the Kona EV in particular uh, many, many times and even with the MG, how that experience was great. But the number one inhibiting thing is that charging and um at the moment, and it's good to see that uh, brands are also speaking up, but it's also on them as well to, particularly in in looking at the the charging network, is that they have the ability to to step up and improve that as well. So it's they're not completely, whilst um you know whilst I appreciate them them speaking up and, and saying that look we need these things to to be able to prioritize bringing electric vehicles. But at the same time, you could say that there's a little bit on them as well where they could be helping a drive that adoption just like uh, Tesla has been as well and building out their charging network. So, um, yeah, it's a, I think it's going to be a long, hard battle with that. And um, even though we're talking about all these brands pushing for electric only in 2025, 2030, 2035, it's going to be a continuous uphill battle. But... And most of the news today are electric vehicles. So this is going to be an interesting continuous problem um, and challenge that we're going to start seeing as more and more brands introducing their new electric-only models. And speaking of that, so BMW announced that there are two BMW i vehicles making their way down under this year. Uh, The first one is the BMW i4. So they've revealed the production car and saying that it will be making its way down under in 2021. So the i4... If uh, you're listening to the podcast and you don't have a screen, you think of it as like a three-series sedan, um, but with a, the front from a BMW 4 Series, and it's all electric. That's probably the best way to summarize what this is like. Um, i4 obviously fits in slightly different, so not to be confused with the traditional BMW models where you've got the 2 Series, 3 Series, 4 Series, etc., simply because, uh, yeah, the, it, it's just like Volkswagen in coming up with slightly different names. It can, might be a little bit confusing because um, we're expecting a 4 Series or a, a model with a 4 in it to be a, a, a you know, a coupe. 4 Series style vehicle, um, but this, if, uh, if the previous i3 model didn't exist, I, I'd probably expect that Bindu would have called this the i3, um, but, you know... We are here. Um, it's come a long way. It's not necessarily exactly like what the concept vehicles have um, have teased. It is very much more uh, run of the mill, I should say. With uh, in terms of design, the the front grille is certainly um, bold. In terms of choice, it's it's been a, a massive dividing factor amongst the the automotive community. Um, but in terms of specs. Um, yeah, it is a, a four-door style coupe or a grand coupe as they call it in the BMW language and gives you sportiness and refined balance and sustainable performance of a typical BMW. Um, they will be re- revealing full specs in the coming weeks, but we do know that the mode, motor system can, should be able to produce up to 390 kilowatts, uh, zero 100 time in about four seconds and a full charge range of about 590 kilometers. Um, it will have all all sorts of other things that you kind of probably pretty typical of BMW. So speed sensitive servotronic steering, which um, adjusts the the turn rate required at different speeds, so you don't have to spin the wheel like a crazy nut at low speeds, or you don't have to move the wheel a lot at high speeds. Um, but yeah, so straight line acceleration BMW has said that it's always been very capable and um, engineers have worked hard to ensure the i4 is also a proper BMW around the corners um, there will be a M performance version also available um, so you can uh, but it won't be like a proper M um, model but it will be kind of like the M340 M850 so like an M performance model 
but I'd expect a, a proper M model to, to make its way sometime. MI4, you reckon it'll be called? I don't know. I4M, that's probably what they'll call it. I don't know. Drop us an email, <laughs> ladies. Tell us what you think it should be called. Um, but no, so that's the first BMW making its way off the the ranks, the electric ranks. The next one is that we're definitely confirmed with uh, some specs and models. So the BMW iX, xDrive 40 and the xDrive 50 models um, confirmed for Australia. So this is an electric SUV. Um, and so it's coming in two different trim levels later this year. And um, so it was initially revealed back in November. And uh, yes, yeah, so the XDrive 40 will have power from a 70 kilowatt battery, whilst the XDrive 50 um, will be getting a 100 kilowatt package. Peak out in the XDrive 40 is more than 240 kilowatts and more than 370 kilowatts in the XDrive 50. Um, zero to 100. Zero, uh, 60, I'm oh, sorry, 0 to 100 kilometers is set to come up in 6 seconds for the entry model and 5 seconds in the flagship. So not super crazy quick like we'll probably come to know from uh, electric vehicles, particularly premium electric vehicles. Uh, but this is going to be, a, a, you know, I don't think they're really pushing for that. And they've got to leave some headroom definitely for, a, for an M model at some point. Range is expected for 400 kilometers and 600 kilometers for each model. Um, and they're saying that, yeah, BMW, Frank Weber, board member at BMW, says the iX will set new industry standards in technology. And a uh, quote for him says, the iX has more computing power for data processing and more powerful sensor technology than the newest vehicles in our current lineup. It's 5G capable and will be given new and improved automated driving and parking functions using the high-performing fifth generation of our electric drive system. So probably the biggest thing about this car is that it has a huge step forward in terms of the interior cabin. And also it's part of the new BMW iDrive system. And uh, it's like a super widescreen um, curved display. And um, whilst it's not a massive departure from the current iDrive, it does have... Um, yeah, it does move things forward and certainly looks futuristic based off the images that they've shared. Um, but 5G capability is going to be interesting to see how they utilize that and how they take advantage of that. And um, yeah, they've uh, gone all out, including some of the, that crystal polish finish that we've seen in the, um, the BMW X5 in particular. And um, yeah, we'll... Uh, looking forward to, to seeing more. So BMW for the batteries have um, obtained the cobalt and lithium for producing the iX through um, Australia and Morocco, which is pretty cool. So a little bit of Australia is in these vehicles and um, then there's a supply to the battery cell manufacturers at BMW's Dingo Fing plant. I've just butchered that name. <laughs> producing the batteries using exclusively green power from certified sources. So I don't know. I think this is probably compared to the i4, this is the car that I'm probably more looking forward to. Um, it is what I'd expect um, like the X3 and the X5, this is the future of those cars. Um, and this, this still very much looks like a concept car. Not a huge fan of the the gold champagne color the hero car is in, but some of the images they've shared in um, in the red just look brilliant, and uh, that's what will be my pick. Unfortunately, you can't escape the big grills that were seen on the four series. They are definitely present there, and um, but I think uh, from the rear it definitely looks it looks quite good. But um, I'll be curious to see what you hear um, or to hear your thoughts. And um, see what color interior you go for too. You've got like a denim look, um, blue, as well as a, there's a red leather option, which um, I don't know. I think I'd go for the red and black. It's a, it's quite a nice looking interior. Um, very, very concept car like, very futuristic um, in the way they're designing. So that, that could be exciting. But um, pricing, we'll tell, we'll share more of that once that becomes available. Uh, Toyota. So we've spoken about the crazy sales numbers the Land Cruiser 200 Series has been having. And um, Toyota has now left a warning saying, buy now or you'll pay later as 300 Series prepares to launch. Um, so we've always been wondering when... Uh 
when is the, the 200 series Land Cruiser going to be stopping production? It's still um, in production, but um, it's essentially now limited to those who have already ordered one as the plans tool up for the 300 series. So in Australia, it you can still order um, the vehicle for now. But prices are kind of been going a bit nuts. So last report has been about one hundred and sixty thousand for a Sahara, one hundred and fourteen thousand on average for a you know your mid or entry level two hundred series, which is just bonkers um, for this car. But they're still selling in in huge, huge numbers. So in February there were thirteen hundred and twenty six two hundred series Land Cruisers sold, up sixteen percent on the month before and forty nine point two percent year to date. Um, yeah, and so yeah, it's kind of kind of amazing. It, it shifted fifteen thousand cars last year in twenty twenty, up from thirteen thousand in twenty nineteen. So yeah, it's still crazy. I can't believe that it's uh, getting the numbers, but also it's a good car. It's um, and and there's a multiple factors of why people are buying up this vehicle compared to or and not holding on to the three hundred or waiting for the 300 series one is that um that v8 diesel which people are wanting because there is a rumors that it's going to be a new 3.3 liter six cylinder diesel as well as the pricing expected to be about seven thousand dollars more than the current outgoing model um even though prices are a bit you know just a bit inflated right now um for the 200 series but the 300 series is reported to be big on almost every key dimension um stretching from you know, it's going to be nearly five meters in length, nearly two meters in width, and uh, 1.9 meters in height. Um, riding on a 2900 mil wheelbase, and um, you will have a choice of five or eight seat configurations over two or three rows, as well as um, you know, upgrades to multimedia and safety packages as well, which is probably one of the key things which has been lacking right now. So, yeah. <sighs> can't believe it but it's completely justified i can see why people are doing it but you know settle down (laughs) settle down people um but yeah if you're wanting one don't wait get in now but last bit of key news um for this week has been the 2021 mg marvel r electric SUV. So it's uh, going up against the Ionic 5 from Hyundai, the Nissan Aria, and also the V Volkswagen ID4. Um, but most likely, uh, we're going to be seeing it down under in Australia as um, the MG Australia spokesperson said, we're excited to see the potential of the MG Marvel R and its performance would certainly excite Australian buyers. Um, it's one that they're watching with interest, even though there's no solid plans for the Marvel R to come to Australia. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. They've been pretty bold with their electrification of models so far. And, um, you know, it seems pretty compelling. It's got three electric motors set up. So you've got um, 212 kilowatts of power, 665 newton meters of torque to all four wheels for a zero to 100 kilometer acceleration time of just 4.9 seconds. Compare that to what I was just saying about the BMW iX. Uh, they haven't revealed the size of the battery yet, but they're saying that it can travel up to about 400 kilometers on a full charge and recoup about 80% of its battery in 13 minutes using a DC fast charger. A rear drive two motor, motor version will also be available, um, but they haven't made any more details available for that. Jumping on the inside, it is kind of pretty pretty forward thing it's pretty cutting edge so you've got a massive 19.4 inch multimedia touchscreen uh 12.3 inch all digital instrument cluster as well um think of mix between maybe tesla and what we're seeing from volvo at the moment and a little bit of mercedes it's look at the photos um it's pretty damn impressive what they're what they're doing and how they're able to push um that technology in particularly in a brand that is so price conscious as well so they're not shooting you know for the skies when it comes to price uh, it is a mid-size suv um so you don't have the biggest boot in the world so it is 357 liters but you can expand that to nearly 1400 when you fold down those rear seats and um, if you don't have that third electric motor, so if you just go for the two rear-wheel drive version, you do get some bonnet um, storage as well under the front, which can take up an extra 150 litres. Um, 
Yeah, so this is probably a car that I'd be really excited for. The MG5 electric um, is also, it has, it's going to have a single motor as well. So 0, 108.3 seconds, um, but range is still about 400. But yeah, I think it is, look, it's not the prettiest thing um, in terms of design in the lighter blue color. It certainly looks more attractive than what the red images that are making their way around i think that's the the red one is um if you look one up is the single motor version whilst the uh the blue hero color is of your three uh motor version and um yeah it looks looks cool i like it but yeah, it's, uh, I really hope that we get this down under and uh, that we get some pretty sharp pricing. It is, they're shaping up to be a fairly competitive um, group when it comes to particularly their uh, their electric vehicles. So this is some very much welcome um, competition and uh, can't wait to, to see some more. And hopefully, fingers crossed, Ma- um, MG, if you are listening, um, I think the Marvel Live would be pretty welcome down here. Okay. Before um, we dive in just to the last few bits of um, automotive news, let's jump into some motorsports. So first one, uh, Drive to Survive came out last week and uh, it's a great way to catch up, maybe a bit dramatized. A few key events are missing from the show, but um, it is a great way to, to sort of view the recap of the 2020 season with a little bit more drama and perhaps... Um, not so very accurate radio messages but overall it's a good watch it's an entertaining watch and also if you've got some people who are wanting to to learn more about formula one it's a great way to 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 let them in and sort of slowly introduce them to formula one without going straight into a into a race um but now that drive to survive is out we're now focusing on to the next big part of the formula one season and that's the season opener in Bahrain. So that's going to be on this weekend. And um, for the race itself, it will be, it's a, it's going to be an early one. So it's going to be 1 a.m. Uh, Queensland time on Monday. But um, yeah, this is a, it's probably going to be one that I'll be watching on, on playback. I won't be staying up to, to watch it. Um but I am looking forward to seeing exactly where all the teams are standing. Has it, has um, has Mercedes been sandbagging? Has Red Bull found some extra performance with the Hail Mary Honda engine um, with Honda's last official season being this year and bringing a lot of upgrades forward to, to give Red Bull the best and, and AlphaTauri, of course, the best possible chance for a great season, um, as well as Ferrari and their improvements. And, of course, the other teams of note we've got um uh fernando alonso coming back to alpine we've got uh daniel ricardo at mclaren who are now running a mercedes engine so there's a lot of exciting things that i can't wait to to see and we'll discuss that next week and um as as the race gets underway but we can hopefully joel has been a bit busy at the moment uh to join us but hopefully he'll be back next week to to build us up to that first race uh, supercars. Van Gisbergen has completely dominated the weekend at Sandown, winning all three races. Um, certainly some spectacular um, racing that has gone down and some a little bit of drama that has come out. Um, Chaz Mossett wants to basically hit control at delete on the weekend. He had a pretty, not a very exciting race. Um, Dick Johnson hasn't had some particularly great form. And um, yeah, it's uh, sort of including Brown saying that the terrible car was expecting a terrible car in uh, in Sandown rain but um but yeah, it's provided a great um super sprint weekend and um with the supercars championship at the moment so we've got Shane Van Gisbergen at 605 points Jamie Winkup in second at 455 and Chas Mossett at 442 um yeah it's uh <laughs> yeah it's going to be an interesting um Interesting one, and uh, for the next next race, we'll be moving to Tasmania for the Super Sprint there. Um, that's on April 10th and 11th at Simon Plains Raceway. And, um, yeah, can't wait. To, it's great to, to get back around um, Australia again and, and travelling. So we've got the Bend after that in, in South Australia. We've got Winton in Victoria, Hidden Valley Raceway in Darwin, and um, Reed Park Circuit 
filling out um, the calendar up to July. So, yeah, it's a, it's an exciting one, and um, I'd be even with Van Giersbergen win the the, the three races. It, it was um, there's been some spectacular passing and um, some fairly exciting racing. It's been a great one to to keep an eye on, and even if you jump on and watch. Uh, Watch the highlights. It's uh, certainly recommended to, to jump on and, and check it out. So moving on to the Australian Rally Championship. Unfortunately, round one, following some of the heavy rain which were received um, at the moment in and around Canberra and, of course, the rest of New South Wales and um, southeast Queensland, uh, round one of the ARC Championship has been rescheduled to, to mid-April. Um, so it was the NADA National Capital Rally was planned this coming weekend, but now has been postponed. Basically, the heavy rain has um, caused flooding at Laidside Park, um, but also the ACT hasn't been immune. So they've basically were unable to obtain a permit from the ACT Parks Conservation Service um, and come out and saying that we're disappointed that the event has to be postponed however event organizers have worked quickly to secure a new date just two weeks later in april um that was uh, michael smith who's the motorsport australia director of motorsport and commercial operations um a lot of work has gone into the event whilst it's unfortunate we can't run the event this coming week to have a new date locked away so quickly is a terrific result uh, so we're looking forward unfortunately that has caused um the delay and uh, obviously it's always spectacular to see rally cars going through heavy rain and mud it's quite the visual um but obviously it makes a lot of sense from a safety point of view and um uh, obviously yeah you can't have people traveling through flooded areas or even competing in in, in terrible weather either uh, so we can't we hope that the uh the season can get underway when it can best but uh we'll stay tuned and i'm sure job will be able to fill you in once we know more okay so slightly different to our regular news um if you're a hot wheels fan you can, uh, as an Aussie, enter and win the Hot Wheels 2021 Legends Tour competition, which basically, um, if you want a die-cast model of your car, this is the way that you might be able to do it. So the tour plans to find the next car to immortalize as a 1 to 64 scale die-cast model in its Garage of Legends series. And um, it's the fourth year of the program. It has been run by the brand, but the first year Australians have been involved. Our virtual events have been held in 14 countries around the world, with New Zealand kicking off the tour 15th of april and australia's event following on 22 of april um you can through the live streams user submissions will be scored by a panel of judges and a winner will be put through a knockout star series of future events with one winner being crowned um hot wheels states that the judging centers around a built not bought ethos with an authenticity creativity and garage spirit listed as the three desirable attributes australian rally driver molly taylor is one of the australian legs judges and as someone yeah so this is pretty cool um (laughs) it's uh there's certainly some fantastic cars that get around um online here if you follow any um car groups on instagram here in australia and uh yeah and if you yourself have a, a pretty spectacular car this might be a cool way to to immortalize it and um yeah so make sure we've got the the story in from car advice in the show notes so make sure you jump on that and um yeah we'll uh we'll keep track of that as well it'll be uh, interesting to to see Moving on to some more traditional news now. So Bentley have teased a new Continental GT Speed. Um, so this is the third generation uh, model. And um, yeah, it's going to be revealed later this month, but it's put out a bit of a teaser. So um, yeah, it doesn't really hide too much, to be honest. It is more of an animated um, video, but it doesn't really, unlike some other teasers we got from other brands, which is basically black. Um, yeah, it's a... It's a so far, it looks pretty good. Um, but what they say, Bentley describes it as most dynamic car, most dynamic road car in the 101 year history, promising to be the most capable performance focused model ever, all without compromise to comfort or luxury. Um, it's kind of a pretty tough. Uh, tough call but obviously they think they're onto something pretty good so under um yeah it's going to be interesting to see where things are going um 
without looking at the performance models. For comparison, the current uh, Continental GT is a six-liter. Um, actually, this is the new model. Um, is going to be the standard six-liter twin-turbo W12 producing 467 kilowatts and 900 newton meters of torque and um, 0 103.7 seconds and an incredible top speed of 333 kilometers per hour. And that's before we get into any sort of performance version. Um, they're expecting in the speed model to have a bit of a boost power, potentially 500 kilowatts. That'd be kind of a cool number to hit, went, did you think? Um, but they will be revealing everything on March 23rd with market entry in Australia expected later in the year. Um, you can follow the link and they do have a bit of a, a soundtrack in it to also tease what the engine is going to be like. So um, make sure you follow the link to, to have a listen to that. Furthermore, in uh, Mercedes world, um, the Mercedes-Benz SL, their big uh, Roadster model, is going to be AMG only and all drive only. So that's going to be fairly interesting. So it's going to fall under the AMG umbrella. So Basically, all variants will be performance-based models, no regular um, Luxo barge version. It's just a performance, performance, performance. Um, obviously, in a nice Mercedes way, of course. Um, but the vehicle is in its final touches of the next-gen model, testing and validating prototypes in the freezing conditions of Sweden. Um, but also they're testing, they've redesigned the fabric roof. So, yeah, it's going to be... Uh, and pretty interesting. Um, workers, further development work is expected to be carried at the Nurburgring later this year to fine tune the handling dynamics. Um, but they'll be insane. The engineers, essentially, Mercedes says, is that the new model is going to be more than ever inspired by its sporting heritage, which is pretty long and uh, and extensive. Um, with the first SL, the 300 SL from the 1950s, launched as a super light sports car, sent hence the name. I think uh, the SL has probably grown a bit in weight since then. Um, so maybe as well, hopefully, in this new model, they'll be able to re- reclaim some of that, uh, that traditional name. Um, yeah, so it's eighth generation, certainly on an age, and um, yeah, it'll be exclusively formatic, fully variable all-wheel drives across the range. First time the SL has been launched with all-wheel drive as standard, and um, yeah, there's some pretty spectacular photos of it going and drifting through snow and all that, so definitely showing off that performance capability. Um, more information, some some footage as well is available in the link that we've included just to sort of show what that um, what the performance is like. So if you're into the Mercedes-Benz SL, maybe that's the one to, to go and check out and, and see some more on. If you're a Peugeot fan, the 308 has been detailed. So the car that goes up against the uh, Toyota Corolla, the Mazda 3, Hyundai i30, Serato, and Volkswagen Golf has come out with a pretty cool design, mind you. It looks great in this uh, new new look, new color, new logo, as well as we discussed a couple of episodes ago. And um, so it is the third generation small hatchback. And um, yeah, it's probably the, the best looking Peugeot I've seen in a very, very long time. So it rides on the EMP2 platform, which is designed by Peugeot um, with a slightly longer wheelbase and um, giving those rear occupants just a little bit more legroom because in a, in a hatch, you could always do it with more legroom as a rear passenger. And I'm sure a lot of people will relate to that. So you've got a on the inside you've got the i cockpit from Peugeot with a 10-inch central touchscreen and the 10-inch 3D instrument cluster which are powered by a new multimedia system called iConnect. Voice control is always on while Apple CarPlay and Android Auto support is now wireless and two devices can now be connected to Bluetooth. Um, cargo capacity is increased um, once you fold down those rear seats obviously with the longer wheelbase that's where it comes but the 440 liter cargo capacity when the seats are up remains relatively unchanged um no pricing just yet but in terms of advanced driver systems all the typical things autonomous emergency braking with intersection assistant pedestrian and cycling detection adaptive cruise control stop stop and go functionality traffic sign recognition driver attention alert etc etc all set to be standard um there is a two well there is 
two plug-in hybrid powertrains available um, with turbo petrol engine with an 81 kilowatt electric motor and a 12.4 kilowatt battery. So this is kind of cool. I like that it's going in the plug-in hybrid direction and um, one option has a 110 kilowatt engine as well as um, the other has a 132 kilowatt engine with 165 kilowatts total. Uh, zero emission range of 59 kilometers is fairly respectable for a plug-in hybrid. And um, yeah, it's uh, not bad. It's not a hot hatch, but it's certainly a, what, as Car Guys, Cars Guide explains it, um, an average warm hatch. Um, yeah, so this is this is pretty cool. It is three-cylinder and four-cylinder options, six-speed manual, eight-speed torque converter automatics, um, but they haven't sort of said what combination of those are going to be available for the Peugeot. So that's a car that I really like the look of. It it looks it looks cool. I'd love to see a performance version of that too. But um, I'm a huge fan of that dark green. Um, it's a little bit darker than the Mercedes green, which we've seen them use in their AMG models lately. Um, but it's not quite a British racing green either. But looks looks cool. Okay. Um, Jumping across to some international news. So one is a bit sad. One has um, been that an alleged arson attack has destroyed a multi-million dollar car collection. Um, there's been quite the uh, quite the list of vehicles that have been lost, so including a, a Ferrari LaFerrari uh, worth about $4.5 million here in Australia, as well as a vintage 400i Ferrari, a Jaguar E-Type. And, um, yeah, it's... Uh, a huge collection to be lost, about 80 vehicles. Believed to have been owned by a wealthy classic car dealer in um, Cheshire in the UK. And, um, yeah, we've, we've linked some photos in the article. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty devastating. And, um, yeah, it's uh, I think uh, from what I remember reading... Um, on the Facebook post that was shared. Now, that obviously is not official, but there was a dispute between um, someone and the landowner and not the people operating or owning the, um, the the shed itself. But obviously, the collateral damage has been quite devastating. And um, yeah, jump on, have a look at the photos, see what vehicles you can you can identify. It's uh, they're pretty, pretty well burnt out, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always sad when... That happens, and uh, particularly from such a, uh, you know, something like arson and not a genuine accident. Moving on into other expensive and mostly unattainable cars, the Gordon Murray T50 has um, hit the track for the first time. Behind the uh, the wheel is Gordon Murray himself testing the prototype for the first time and um, just meters away from their factory, which is just so happens to be right next to the Top Gear test track. Um, Gordon Murray is um, quite the vehicle design himself. He was um, sort of created the legacy of which is the McLaren F1. And, um, yeah, it is, uh, he is the, the genius that is behind the T50. It is described as the most driver-centric supercar ever made and um, building upon what he did with the McLaren F1. The XP2 prototype that was running around the track is currently running at considerably less revs than its 12,100 RPM limit. And um, Gordon says that the T50 felt fantastic on my first drive. The car was responsive, agile, and rewarding to drive. It was a fantastic experience to be sitting in the center of the car once again with all with great all-round visibility and i can see how much the owners will enjoy this experience yeah so this is pretty uh, it's a, when you do see it though on on the video it's remarkable how small this car looks um it is a tiny looking vehicle but it does have some pretty big uh, performance numbers and um, it's all coming from a 3.9 litre naturally aspirated V12 um, which is a Cosworth engine and um, yeah it is the highest revving V12 road car ever made with peak power set to be 488 kilowatts with a maximum revs of 12,100 um, it's a 6 speed manual transmission as well so it's not an automatic it's not a dual clutch or anything like that um, and, and that's built by X-Track and um it weighs just 986 kilograms. So it's about two to 300 grams lighter than the most very serious supercars of today. Um, yeah, wow, this is pretty cool. 
it it kind of looks like a McLaren F1 from a lot of angles. There's a lot of um, a lot of heritage shared between the two. Obviously, the the, the big one that probably separates it from the back is the massive fan um, for the aerodynamics. And um, but yeah, jump on, have a look at the story. There's a lot of brilliant insights into how the aerodynamics works, how it generates and sticks to the ground, um, utilizing the the fan as well, which. Um, most famous, most famously, was used in Formula One um, for a very short amount of time before it was banned. Um, and then finally, the last bit of news that's coming out of Japan is the Toyota GR Corolla hot hatch and wagon. Um, so we could basically see a 200 kilowatt GR. Corolla wagon um, potentially come out so to rival um, you know things like the i30N Golf GDI Type R Civic and um, yeah they're pointing to Japanese media pointing to a mid 2022 launch for the pair um, at least in Japan and potentially depending on the the ongoing success of I guess of the GR Yaris here in Australia um, we will uh, potentially could see it come down under but this is pretty exciting um we do know that the GR Corolla itself will have the same 1.6 litre turbocharged cylinder engine out of the um, out of the GR4, the GR Yaris. Um, so that's 200 kilowatts and 307 newton meters of torque for this one, and um, with the all-wheel drive forward or the four-wheel drive system with weight-saving body panels and Toyota's TNGA platform as standard, as well as the option of limited slip diffs. Um, so yeah, this is uh, Toyota basically said, look, it's wasting time to use a four-wheel drive system and this 1.6 liter engine for one car. Personally, I'd like to use this tra- um, powertrain for each of the other GR models. Toyota Yaris GR's chief engineer Nahiko Saito told us, um, you know, when they launched the vehicle in Portugal, according to this Cars Guide article. So yeah, this is probably one that uh, yeah, imagine seeing a Subaru WX rival come from Toyota in a wagon form. Um, that would be very exciting. What price for? I don't know. It's uh, with the GR Yaris being very expensive. I can't imagine the Corolla itself being much cheaper. So yeah. We'll wait and see how that goes. But look, I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, not too much news this week, so not a lot to really discuss. Um, sometimes it's nice to have a, a slower news week. And um, But yeah, hopefully uh, wherever you are, you're not impacted by the floods or the heavy rain too much. Um, hopefully that you stay safe and your family and your friends stay safe. Um and uh, hopefully we get some nice sunshiny weather after this all finishes. But look, stay safe. We'll um, we'll keep driving where we are, and uh, we can't wait to to get to see you back next week. Formula One is back finally, and uh, until then, stay safe and talk soon. See ya. Bye.